I'm Paul from Thirst Counselling and welcome to a Thirst Counsellor podcast, a series of blogs, readings and audio meanderings through the world of mental health and well-being. Hello and welcome to the next episode of a Thirst Counsellor podcast. Uh, I'm Paul from Thirst Counselling and this week... Uh, I wanted to talk about depression, um, another common condition, uh, difficulty that uh, we come across in our daily lives and certainly that I come across in my practice. Uh, but I didn't just want to talk about clinical depression, I wanted to talk about low mood and low level uh, difficulties that people experience. There is a real difference between low mood and feeling blue uh, and clinical depression and diagnosable conditions such as that. So I wanted to normalise some of these feelings and emotions that people experience uh, and about how they can impact on people's lives. And also wanted to look at some ways in which people can tackle them themselves. Uh, But I also wanted to talk a little bit about um, some of the more diagnosable conditions about depression. where maybe some specialist help, including medication, might be needed uh, to support people back on the road to recovery. And within that, looking at how this impacts uh, on people's lives in, in, in the idea that people want to take their own lives, they want to end it all and that, you know, and I wanted to talk a little bit about suicide towards the end of, of this week's podcast. So this is a bit of a content warning. Uh, I want people to be mindful of some of the subject matter we're going to be discussing. might be quite distressing. It might be quite uh, disturbing if it brings up anything for you uh, from your personal experience or from anything that you're going through at the moment and that, you know, then I would suggest that you, you know, maybe seek some help, seek some support around that and get some good information, advice. And there will be links and phone numbers in the show notes Uh, for you to maybe think about researching this a little bit further or contacting uh, professionals to talk about anything that might be affecting you or affecting someone that you know and care about. So with that, uh, enjoy the rest of the podcast. St. Francis of Assisi once said, Start by doing what's necessary, then do what's possible, and suddenly you are doing the impossible. So what is depression? Uh, Mentalhealth.org defined depression as a common mental health problem that causes people to experience low mood, loss of interest or pleasure, feelings of guilt or low self-worth, disturbed sleep or appetite, low energy and poor concentration. But I think it's important to think about the difference between low mood and depression. Because a lot of people experience low mood regular. Um, Low mood can be that feeling when 
you don't want to you don't want to get up in the morning um, you feel upset for no reason you may feel as though um, you can't be bothered to uh, contact friends or to socialize or to talk to people uh, it might be because there's been a relationship problem um, or because of stress at work or because you've been experiencing bullying or it might have been because you've been ill for a while, you've had a chronic illness for a while or it could be because you've experienced bereavement, you've lost someone or something important to you. However, a low mood is something that can lift after a couple of days. Your energy levels start to return you and you engage back with work or with people. You may slump again a few days later. And there may be times when you experience that feeling of being tired and, um, and not wanting to engage. But again, it, after a couple of days, it may lift again. Depression is something that has been more persistent. And it's normally seen that if you've been experiencing these persistent low moods, um, feeling down and feeling disconnected for a couple of weeks, that is likely to be more, more of a definition of depression. So a low mood that doesn't go away can be a sign of depression. And we're, again, we're talking about those symptoms of a, a low mood that's been experienced for two weeks or more, uh, a loss of energy, a loss of appetite, um, feeling, feeling hopeless, feeling worthless, not wanting to engage with people, that sense of not seeing the point of getting up in the morning. Um, may start to take less interest in, in your appearance, uh, or in your hygiene uh, and in your appetite. So it's something that has been more persistent as opposed to those feelings of low mood which may lift after a couple of days. In 1987, John Hughes, filmmaker, writer, director, had made a number of films already, including Sixteen Candles and The Breakfast Club. However, in 87, his biggest success came out, which was Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Starring Matthew Broderick, Mia Sara and Alan Rook, it's a film about a young man's desire to take life easy, Ferris Bueller. His best friend, Cameron Fry, is a classic characterization of someone with anxiety and depression. And when we meet Cameron, he's in bed, he's off school and he's ill, and he's depressed. He has a very poor relationship with his father, he worries about what his father's going to say. He worries about his grades. He worries about everything. 
And if we take into consideration that people who struggle with depression disengage with life, disengage with people and don't do anything fun, and as a reduce of as a as a result of that they're not experiencing any positive things, their serotonin levels are depleted. However, because Cameron's best friend Ferris is selfish and at times very inconsiderate, he pushes and he bullies Cameron to get out of bed, get in his car, come over and pick me up. And then he proceeds to then force Cameron to go out and engage with life and to uh, have fun and to enjoy things like art and music and food and when looked at it from that perspective and that you could almost say that he very much saves Cameron's life um, through the journey of that day Cameron starts to realise that you know there are things you can do and there are fun things that you can do and by the end of the film, where Cameron reaches a crisis point and falls into a pool, um, it's through coming out of that he then decides that he needs to face his dad. He needs to have the conversation with him and find his way through his own fear and depression. Depression is a devastatingly lonely place. The first time I was diagnosed with depression, um, it seemed to come on me all of a sudden. You know, I'd started uh, struggling to sleep at night. My, my mood had been quite low for a while. Um, I was carrying on working and I just became increasingly more frustrated at work and um, irritable and tired, I was always so tired um, and I remember just not being able to get up and go downstairs or, or get out of the house and it It was exhausting thinking all the time of uh, how I could try and uh, improve things. I remember going to see the GP and being diagnosed antidepressants. And I had a re real thing at this point about taking medication. I didn't want to take tablets. Um, and it was one of the reasons why it took me so long to go to the GP. And it was only through taking a course of antidepressants um, and uh, beginning counselling that I, I was able to kind of come through this, this period of time. But I was so adverse to actually taking time off. Um, I remember the, the doctor saying, I'm going to write you a sick note for uh, two months. And I said, uh, what about four weeks? And they compromised at six weeks. I remember saying, uh, 
I'll be okay, I'll go back after after a couple. And my manager at work said, no, uh, you'll, you'll come back when you've been signed, you know, fit to work. I don't think I could have coped just on antidepressants. Uh, the, the therapy that I had at the time, which was a, a combination of uh, person-centered and uh, CBT, and at the time I wasn't a qualified therapist, so I didn't know a lot of theory. Um, but it was really, it was really kind of helpful. And and part of this was about the fact that I'd come out of a treatment centre and I was trying to come to terms with who I was now um, and deal with the the sort of wreckage of my past. It probably took me a good three three to four months before I was um, fully well again. You know, the, the therapy and the medication um, worked together. You know, and a- asking for help. I was lucky at the time I had people I could, I could turn to. And I guess the reason why I'm telling this story is, you know, lots of times I talked about having depression and being depressed. Um, just like lots of times I talked about having flu. Um, I've only ever had flu once in my life. Uh, when I couldn't get out of bed for like three or four days. Um, and equally, all those times I talked about being depressed, um, I wasn't depressed, I'd had low mood. Um, for me, it was about the persistence, the gradual creeping up, the the slow um, erosion of, of hopefulness uh, and you know, um, motivation slowly got eroded away. Uh, and it persisted and it was every day and it was exhausting and it was only through reaching out and asking for help and the combination of antidepressants and talking therapies that got me through it within the brain are chemicals which can impact on people and contribute uh, to the depression. Quite often depression is talked about as a chemical imbalance. Um, The chemicals that are mainly influenced within the brain in, in relation to depression are neurotransmitters such as serotonin and neuro pinephrine apologies for the pronunciation there Uh, low serotonin levels are simply another symptom of depression not a cause Um, and and the more times we get lost in those low feelings and those low emotions uh, the fewer pleasure giving activities you're participating in and so your serotonin levels actually become lower so because the depression Um, and our lack of interest and lack of appetite and lack of exercise. Uh, We're not engaging with pleasurable activities and therefore our serotonin levels are dropping even lower. The website www.clinicaldepression.co.uk says that 
drug therapies that work on this imbalance in the brain lift depression completely in a third of those who take them and partially in another third. For a third of people, antidepressants don't work at all and many who do get positive results stop taking them because the side effects are worse than the depression symptoms they are supposed to be treating. Because of the neurotransmitters which are out of balance and that quite often when being treated medically for depression, um, antidepressants are something that work to try and redress that balance. So although life events and um, situations arise and that which can impact on a person's emotions which can start to bring about the feeling of low mood this prolonged feeling will then have an impact on the serotonin levels which start to deplete and further start to cause this cycle of depression um, and which is why at that time when it's been going on for longer than two weeks, it would be suggested that you go and seek medical help, you go and see a GP, um, or you go and see a specialist. So you can be monitored and perhaps start taking uh, either some medication to try and improve um, that chemical imbalance to try and lift out of that mood, or to engage in some kind of therapeutic work or some practical activities to try and boost uh, the serotonin levels also. In T.H. Wyatt's book, The Once and Future King, he wrote... The best thing for being sad, replied Merlin, beginning to puff and blow, is to learn something. That's the only thing that never fails. You may grow old and trembling in your anatomies. You may lie awake at night listening to the disorder of your veins. You may miss your only love. You may see the world about you devastated by evil lunatics, or know your honour trampled in the sewers of baser minds. There is only one thing for it, then. To learn. Learn why the world wags and what wags it. That is the only thing which the mind can never exhaust, never alienate, never be tortured by, never fear or distrust and never dream of regretting. Learning is the only thing for you. Look what a lot of things there are to learn. So, depression has uh, four key components. Um, rumination, overthinking, negative thinking. Um, it's very much uh, emotional basis. Um, it impacts on our emotions. Uh, physically, it affects us. Either we're eating too much or we're not eating enough. We're sleeping too much or we're not sleeping enough. Uh, we're, we're crying. And we're avoiding situations as behavioural ways of kind of dealing with things as well. Um, and so in talking therapies, one of the therapies that's, that deals with people who are you know, experiencing depression is CBT. Yeah. 
the reason why CBT can be really quite effective for people who are uh, struggling with depression is because it's able to challenge some of the negative thinking, challenge the cognitions, uh, as well as to to look at the emotions and to look at the physical sensations uh, and introduce um, behavioural activation. Quite often people who are experiencing uh, depression need to put activities into their life, need to schedule activities to get them out of this, you know, this negative rumination. I talked earlier about serotonin levels being depleted because people stop engaging in activities that produce serotonin. So it's important to then put activities in that can start to boost the serotonin levels and that to hopefully lift the mood. So how do we support someone that we know has depression? Um, We talk to them. Talk to them. It's, It's not really that difficult. It's difficult to see and it's difficult to be around someone who has depression. But if you want to support someone with depression, talk to them. Of course, the question might come to mind, but how? How do I talk to someone who has depression? Talk to them like you would talk to someone who doesn't have depression. Sometimes I think people can mistakenly believe that you know, they might want to talk about the depression all the time, and that might be quite difficult to hear. But equally, sometimes people just want to talk about stuff that's not related to to illness or or to depression. Sometimes people just want to talk about the football or about something that they watched on TV. And yes, within that, they might want to talk about how they're feeling and how difficult they've been finding it. And having someone there to listen can be great. And sometimes a person might want to be listened to. Um, And sometimes they might want to listen to you to talk about what's going on for you. So it's okay to say to someone with depression, yeah, I've had a good day today. You know, things have been all right. I've been feeling quite healthy. If we can promote well-being and promote... You know, that it's not always bad. You know, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And I guess what I'm trying to say is, you know, not to treat people with depression like they're fragile, but to treat them like they're a human being. What would you want someone to do for you if you were struggling with depression? And it's important to also encourage people to to engage with things. In Ferris Bueller's day off, Ferris is very much bullying Cameron into doing things. But if you look at it from another perspective, he's also encouraging Cameron to go out and engage in life. So offering to go for a walk with someone or to say, you know, why don't we go out for a drive? How about we meet up for a coffee? Um, How about we, we watch a film? Or we, uh, we, we stick a comedy film on. Or uh, we go and catch a show. Just treat a person like they're normal. 
even though they might be experiencing something that feels very, very abnormal for them and very abnormal for you. Just be there for someone. Be the mate in their corner. Writer and comedian Stephen Fry said, If you know someone who's depressed, please resolve never to ask them why. Depression isn't a straightforward response to a bad situation. Depression just is, like the weather. Try to understand the blackness, lethargy, hopelessness and loneliness that they're going through. Be there for them when they come through the other side. It's hard to be a friend to someone who's depressed but it is one of the kindest, noblest, and best things you will ever do. For some people, depression can lead to um, a prolonged exposure to this uh, negative thoughts, feelings, and emotions, uh, and a wish for all of this to end the utter hopelessness. Um, which can lead to people taking their own life. Suicide is the biggest killer of men under the age of 50 in the United Kingdom. And that's a shocking statistic. Um, and one of the most shocking things about the statistic is that, you know, the, the realisation that not everybody might understand is that we can always do something about it. You know, there are so many online campaigns now uh, and so many uh, websites uh, and there's so many more people talking about having suicidal thoughts and wanting to end their life. And I do understand why someone can find themselves in a place where they just think, here is an answer, an incredibly simple answer to take my own life. So how do we support someone who is experiencing suicidal thoughts, who has thoughts of taking their own life. And the reality is, is we listen and we ask the questions. If someone talks about wanting to take their life, we ask the questions, have you got a plan? We need to determine intent. It's really important that you determine intent and that you call 999 if you have real concerns over somebody. And if anyone has talked of or has taken any kind of paracetamol to take an overdose and that they need to be taken to A&E as soon as possible. Suicide can be stopped. People can be talked right up until the very end when they aren't alive anymore. There's lots and lots of training and information out there. Um, but the thing about suicide is it's about determining intent. Uh, and it's about asking those scary questions. In the show notes uh, of this episode, uh, I will put numbers for the Samaritans and Papyrus, which is a fantastic organisation uh, that provides information, advice and guidance, as well as support numbers uh, for people, for young people who are experiencing or who have gone through suicidal thoughts. And another thing to be mindful of 
around suicide. The term commit suicide is something that has been long associated with uh, people who take their own lives. Um, people do not commit suicide. People die by suicide or die of suicide. They're not committing a criminal act. And that's, that's something that we need to kind of think about in the language that we use. So that's uh, pretty much the end of the episode. Um, you know, depression is something that a lot of people struggle with um, and it can be really quite painful uh, to watch and it can be exhausting to experience. It's important to engage with life and it's important to engage with people. So thinking about some of like the top tips for struggling with depression or, or supporting someone with depression, number one is talk to someone, whether that be a friend or whether that be a therapist, uh, whether that be going to see a GP to see whether medication is something that you need to be accessing. You know, there's a lot of information on the internet out there and I'll be putting some information in the show notes, uh, information such as like the NHS's uh, information on depression and also the Samaritans who are an invaluable service that offer telephone support uh, to support people who are experiencing um, depression and suicidal thoughts and also papyrus which uh, will be in the show notes and papyrus is a, uh, a website and a um, telephone support line for young people who are uh, at risk of taking their own life so I hope people have, have got something out of this uh, this episode. Uh, we will continue to look at um, different things that people experience in the future. And here we are at the outro. I'd like to thank everyone who's listened. Um, it's nice to see that there's people downloading it and listening to the to the podcast. Uh, uh, gives me a reason to kind of keep going. Uh, if you if you like what I'm saying or you have any ideas or any topics, you can in, email me at info at firstcounseling.co.uk, or alternatively, you can tweet me at t underscore counselling at t underscore counselling um, I'll be back uh, in another episode talking about some other aspects of mental health and well-being uh, please feel free to review this on your podcast app and uh, give it a couple of stars uh, and if you want to share it with other people and that, if you think other people might be interested please feel free to do that um, thanks very much for listening sincerely yours a first counsellor <laughs>